Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. Come around here with his bloody podcasts. Hello kids, welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. I'm back after a few weeks away. And now, if you've got me on Facebook, you know that I've been to LA and done many cool, productive things. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I kind of want to fill you in on what I was doing out there. Um, you know, before, the, you know, the, <laughs> the last episode with uh, Bertrand Hebert, um, I talked a little bit about my mum uh, being really ill and I will be going into that a little bit more in future episodes because it's kind of, I'm using this podcast as a way to, um, you know, get things off my chest and, you know, there are, there, you wouldn't believe it, but there are so many uh, issues like political issues, money issues, etc. that come up and I kind of want to use this as a way to sort of, you know, put it out there um, a little bit. You know, this isn't at the expense of my mum or to exploit anything, or, but, you know, it's just stuff that is affecting me personally as well and I want your viewpoint on this I want this to be something that we can discuss like I talked about the uh, working tax credit uh, which seems like forever ago now you know that was kind of a saga for a little bit but uh, you know I feel like it helped me get shit off my chest and um, you know and 
you know, a podcast can be for that. You know, I, I make no apologies, really. So, you know, um, if you don't like that, then that's that's fair enough. You know, I do interview some great guests, but, you know, I do want to talk about that going forward because it's an important thing in my life. And I hope that some people do tune in to actually, you know, <laughs> um, you know, because they're interested in the shit I've got going on. You know, I, I know that that's very minimal, but I'm fine with that. Uh, so, yeah, L.A. was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't do the normal touristy kind of thing. I, it, it kind of turned into the unofficial jellyfish pilgrimage uh, and if you've listened to episodes in the past you know that I'm a huge 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 jellyfish fan and uh, I've been lucky enough to have many jellyfish related guests on the show um, I, I was able to go out to Vasquez Rocks, which is where The King is Half Undressed was filmed. And I know that, um, you know, Star Trek was filmed there and it's been used in many of the, you know, uh, well-known things. But King is Half Undressed, you know, that's what it was for me, basically. Um, there was a music video being filmed there as well. And um, it was kind of weird. There was a girl in a bikini and uh, like a see-through mesh sarong kind of thing and you know the the scenery is beautiful enough but they set off blue smoke bombs and stuff and I was just like really do you need to do that but uh, you know it, that was a lot of fun um, you know I got to um, have margaritas and uh, burritos with uh, Charlotte Elberfeld um, at you know her and Roger's uh, former house uh, you know Charlotte lives there now and um, Eric Skodis was there along with his wonderful lady Cassie and we just I, you know just reminisced about stuff and or well, they reminisced and you know got to tell me many many cool stories about uh, you know things from the past that uh, you know maybe some of the things I can't tell you but you know um, you know some of the things uh, are kind of known and you know uh, I'll, I'll not go too far into that because then I'll have everyone asking me questions about what was talked about but um, no that was a lot of fun and I got to go into the Stu Stu studio, Roger's old studio which is now basically a storage closet um, and Charlotte very very nicely gave me a lot of jellyfish uh, memorabilia which um, you know like the collection wasn't ridiculous enough um, she <laughs> Eric took a video of me just absolutely just spazzing out over all of this amazing stuff I, I hope he doesn't post online without me seeing it first but uh, yeah um, of course I got to play the gig at the CIA uh, with uh, Chris Price Fernando Podomo um, with Art Web and um, oh who else who else who else who else that was the main that was the main band and then there were you know there was Stephen Wilson and uh, Rex Broom and Christina Bulbenko who came on and off stage uh, to perform some songs we only had one rehearsal and I think it was fine for the one rehearsal it was a little messy but it was a lot of fun it was at a venue called uh, the CIA the California Institute of Abnormal Arts I shit you not it's owned by a mortician and they have a real mummified clown uh, if you Google it, you will find a picture of it. Uh, be prepared to be slightly freaked out. But um, so many people came to this gig. Um, people from all aspects of my life over there. You know, um, people who don't know each other, but you know now know each other through me, which is really nice. Um, so it was great. It was a great night. It was a lot of fun. And uh, the wonderful, wonderful Jason Downs opened uh, for me as well. And he has been, you know, a, a influence on my music and I've been a big fan of his for many years uh, listen to the Jason Downs interview in the archives if you want to hear more about him um, he you know he had a top 20 single in the UK along with you know um, his album he's had other albums he's had done lots of stage work I got to see one of his plays out there as well um, which was a lot of fun I also I got introduced to uh, Phantom of the Paradise uh, the amazing uh, <laughs> the amazing musical slash film and uh, I met just 
just completely by chance met one of uh, one of the cast out there as well, uh, which was um, which was crazy. It was one of the Juicy Fruits, um, and I don't know the names too well, but I was with Eric Scotus at the time, who you won't find a bigger fan of uh, that movie, and he just completely marked out over all of that. So it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun to see that. Um, what else did I do with that? Oh, of course, I went to East West Studios, and this will this will bring me nicely. I will talk more about the LA trip as. You know, time goes on until you get sick of me talking about it. But I went to East West Studios, uh, which is where you know uh, Pet Sounds was recorded, <coughs> um, Frank Sinatra was recorded there. <laughs> I die completely. Um, and but for me, it was where Spilt Milk was recorded. And Fernando very nicely invited me into a session with today's guest, James Snyder, uh, star of TV and um, and stage, and uh, also a great musician and you know great singer as well. So I got to sit in with Fernando and um, the band that James had uh, you know assembled, and got to hear an EP made from start to finish, uh, almost. And um, it, it was mind blowing to. It was very inspiring to see just professionals in California just do what they do. And you know, it, it kind of makes me want to move out there as well. Not that you know I, I would be guaranteed work out there, you know, but it's one of those small fish in a massive pond. But I feel reasonably connected enough to you know, and have the right people on my side and. Um, you know, most of the people out there, when, you know, any time I got a Lyft or an Uber, they were all, you know, actors or comedians or singers who also do that, um, you know, do Uber or whatever to just pay the bills. And, you know, that's just what you have to do out there. To make a living from music out there, you know, you have to be exceptionally talented and uh, kind of stand out from the rest, really. And, you know, it, it's it's a hard thing to do but it's something that i do want to try and do i would love to move out there I've, you know um and yeah, you may hear more about my potential you know way in the future plans to move out there at some point um as time goes on but yes james snyder um he was someone who i was a little familiar with and then got to know him throughout the day and um you know one of the great things about going to la was all of the great uh, contacts that i was able to make for this podcast and uh, james is without exception so um yeah he's got a great story to tell we go into a lot of different aspects of his career um there was so much to cover as well i didn't want to just i wanted to focus in on certain things instead of just like sort of you know um skip over many things or talk about them very quickly so there may be a part two um you know james is very very busy so i thank him for spending the time to uh, chat with me um i also want to thank uh, andrew kirshner who came out for the cia gig and got to perform his piece that he wrote for the four player ep the toxic melons ep uh, my music uh, my band um and you know it, it was it was so cool to have him out there because he's, he's a good friend and he has done a lot for me and for the show and he's been a great sponsor so please do uh, the advert at the start i know that it's the same advert we are going to be working on some um you know campaign ideas uh so i know that you may skip over it sometimes if you listen to the show more than you know hopefully you listen to the show regularly um so but do check out the link below you know he is so good at what he does and it, his support for me has been incredible so if you do have back pain if you know anyone else who has back pain and can benefit from his book then uh do check it out can't recommend it highly enough um so yeah uh, before we get into my interview with james i want to play you a track uh, by next week's guest actually um i interviewed hooks ritman uh, of 
Huxley Rittman and the Rusty Hitman. It's been a long time coming. We met each other in um, at the IPO at the Cavern Club. Well, I'll be getting into more of that stuff um, next week and after the interview as well. Uh, so yes, before the interview with uh, James, I want to show you a track by Huxley Rittman and the Rusty Hitman called If the Shoe Fits. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Uh, Where are you calling from? I'm calling from actually Edgewater, New Jersey, just across the Hudson River from uh, New York City. Oh, nice. Okay. So what do I know about New Jersey? Uh, I know uh, clerks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think think that's right about it. Um, Yeah. I was just just at Jay and Silent Bob's... um, uh, On the way to the Jersey Shore, you can stop off in the little town... um, 
the little town where they have their comic shop where they shoot the TV show out of. So we were like, oh, let's stop and let's go see what's up. And it's just a cute little town with a comic book shop. Oh, that's, that's so cool. Because yeah. they had one in L.A. as well, the Secret Stash. And um, mm-hmm. I figured it closed. That was one of the things on the list that I wanted to go and see. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, well, mm-hmm. you have. Um, uh, how far are you, are you along with your new um, EP? It, it, is it a single or uh, is it an EP? Because you, you, it was three tracks that you were working on when I was with you. Yeah, you know, I just I really wanted to. I had just written three songs. I really just wanted to record, and I had some studio time, and was just like, well, let me just lay this down. I sort of didn't have expectations going into it. It was just let me just capture these couple things that I'm proud of doing, and. Um, you know, I had originally approached it as an EP, um, but in all honesty, like going to, to what it is and, and, uh, I think it was just a nice little, uh, three songs of where I was at a couple of years ago and I might just leave it at a single and just, just be okay with that. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a time where you can just release three songs and just i'll just you know yeah. uh it's not you know and you call it a single yeah but it's just like just another little thing for me to share with people about who i am and what i do and yeah and and, and it sounds incredible people um uh, you know I'm, I'm very uh fortunate to have heard it from its conception all the way through and when you work with someone like fernando Podomo, who listeners to the podcast uh, will be familiar with it's hard not to achieve perfection in a very short amount of time i think yeah we were on a time crunch um basically when you're on a budget <laughs> and uh and on a time crunch i i was squeezing in a trip to la i was there uh pitching another helping uh pitch a musical actually a broadway musical um and i had literally one day free and so I, I knew Fernando was the right guy because he, he gets things done so quickly and he comes, he's really thoughtful, polished, um, and, and creative. And so, so I knew we were on a time crunch and so we just set up, I had originally, you know, was thinking, oh, well, five songs. And then I was like, are you kidding me? I, I only have one day. Um, so let's. Let's just focus. I was like, okay, this. I, I'm actually a musical theater actor for the most part. Yeah. So you know, I'm used to doing the Rodgers and Hammerstein or even contemporary musical theater has a, a, a grander scale the last few projects I've been doing. Um, and I think also for me it was like, well, what, what am I doing and, and why am I doing it? And here I was, trying to, I was trying to do some covers of some musical theater songs and this and that. And really, the time constraint helped me specify and really get down to what it was, was really ultimately I wanted to lay down Old River Road, which is this song I wrote for my wife, and um, and a couple others. If, if we got to them, in all honesty, I was like, I, just, I would just like to record this and, and just have it. Yeah. And, um, and I think people like it, you know, but for me, it was really like, I've got a day, like, and I've got a studio let's just you know let's let's just capture capture that moment like i said yeah well i mean i want to thank you again for um having me in there because fernando sent me a message the night before and he was like okay pablo 
drop all of your plans. I'm going to be in the fucking spilt milk studio. You know, and I know that like pet sounds and, you know, uh, I think Frank Sinatra. And, I mean, all, every name you could possibly think of was there. But, you know, Jellyfish yeah. changed my life, as you know. And there's, you know, everyone kind of knows who I've uh, ever spoken to. And it was kind of funny because I met members of the band that week and they found it hilarious that I was in the place where, you know, pet sounds was recorded. But I was like, nah, screw pet sounds. You know, I'm all about, um, all about spilt milk, you know. So I, mean, yeah. I you know, so he was like, you know, drop everything you're doing and come to come to the studio tomorrow. So thank you for letting me, you know, sit in on that because uh, again, yeah. the songs sound amazing, and it was such a it's such an eye opening thing to see. I, I've worked with Fernando, but I've never seen him at work, and um, you know, he's such a professional, and you know, it's you know, an honor for me to work with him, and um, you know. It, it must have been. It's not the first thing that he's worked uh, on you with as well. I, I believe that um, it was Fernando's first uh, piece of work when he moved to LA. Uh, was mm -hmm. working with you as well. So how did you hook up back then? Well, uh, my producer at the time, Ross Golan, who's now BMI Songwriter of the Year, Ross Golan, uh, who is a friend of mine from school. Yeah. Uh, he was helping me write and produce an album uh, that ultimately was called LA Curse, but he was actually at South by Southwest and saw um, saw Price playing uh, and Fernando playing with, with Price yeah. and was like, this guy's unreal. Like, I want him in on this session. And, um, and yeah, so I really, having not, it, I took it f from Ross's word. You know, I took Ross's word on, on Fernando and, and he sonically shaped so much of that album. You know, we, it was, it was a time when it was really, I was listening to a lot of black crows and, and, uh, uh, who else? I mean, even Lenny Kravitz and you name it, Tom Waits is in there and that, that kind of stuff. And so it's very, um, he was the right guy for the job. He just he turned out to be the perfect guy for the job because of the he, he added the the guitar, just a layering of guitars. And then actually our bass player at the time, uh, Tommy Walter, he he played with the Eels. He's got a band now, uh, Abandoned Pools. Um, his cat died in the middle of recording. Oh, and he was like, guys, I'm, he was so broken up by yeah. it. I mean, it was like he was heartbroken. I was like, dude, go. Just hang out with your cat. I wasn't paying him enough to keep him away from like, you know, like he he was in mourning. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want you here. Like if you're going to be crying, like it was so sad. I was yeah. like, dude, just like mourn. So then Fernando, luckily he was a bass player also, you know, uh, he covered some of the bass parts too. Oh, so, so yeah. And we recorded at a studio in uh, downtown LA I think it's not even more. Hangar 1018, I think it's gone. Might even be a hotel now or something. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, And then that album, uh, got we got picked up by Lionsgate Records for a record deal. And then the music industry was in a huge flux. And who knows? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I ended up actually booking a Broadway show. So then I went and did the Broadway show and tried to keep my my solo artist you know life going but but uh theater ended up taking over yeah and and really sort of yeah pushing so, me away from from doing that i did a couple shows at hotel cafe in la joe's pub here in new york a couple spots but i was just like in all honesty like i had to pick i sort of had to pick between being an actor or a musician yeah and, that, uh, 
I, like, I totally get that period as well, that sort of mid-2000s. Yeah, I, I did music business during that time, which was kind of a waste of time because things were changing. And, yeah, it was such a transitional period. And, you know, I, no one really knew where the music industry was kind of going. I think we can kind of predict it more now just based on the past yeah. kind of thing. But, um, yeah. so, I mean, um, we've because you've done so much and it's impossible to sort of cover it all here but um was uh, musical theater your first love in terms of music or did you want to be like sort of assigned uh, pop act i guess yeah um well i grew up in a small town outside sacramento california yeah and my dad was super into barbershop quartet. I think you'd appreciate that. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you some stuff about that as well because uh, I know that uh, you've just done uh, a, a stage play that was entirely a cappella, but we'll get into that. Yeah, um, but uh, and I grew up. My my grandparents grew up in Hollywood, actually next door to my grandma was well across the street from um, from Les Paul, actually. So oh, wow. my grandparents are from. Yeah, so they would go like literally. My my grandparents were some of the first kids to hear stereo sound, like or like literally. He he was the crazy neighbor. Like my grandma remembers when he broke his arm. Uh, like he was that crazy neighbor, always tinkering in his garage, and then they'd be playing like stickball out front, and he'd be like, "Kids, come here, come here, come here, listen to this." And they'd sit and listen to him every once in a while, and um. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was like, my grandparents at like seven were hearing all of this like um, amazing, like groundbreaking things that Les Paul was doing in his garage. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, so, uh, but that because they they grew up in Hollywood, um, I think that had a big influence on on my awareness of of those older movies and movie musicals. You know, I loved Music Man and Oklahoma. That kind of stuff. But then I also, I mean, my dad's favorite group is the Beach Boys. So, you know, he was a Beach Boys guy, not a Beatles guy. It's sort of interesting, like, that was sort of who I, he identified with more. Yeah. Uh, maybe because he was just Californian and and uh, and that kind of stuff. And so, so it's just interesting to see how that shaped the way my my brain worked. And then I, I started piano when I was five, and then I clarinet in, you know, when I was... 10 and then hated the clarinet so i picked up a trumpet and then i was in the jazz band and then i was in the marching band and the concert band and uh i didn't find musical theater until high school really so and i knew i knew musicals but it never really occurred to me i just i wanted to play soccer um more than any i liked music and i liked soccer like those were the two things i liked so yeah football if you will football and um and uh yeah, so that was sort of. I mean, that my life was consumed with soccer tournaments every weekend, and 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 then band concerts, and then in high school I started singing in the jazz choir, um, but but I didn't really consider performing. I mean, I I learned guitar mostly because I thought it would help me get girls, <laughs> um, and uh, became a good enough guitar. I sort of reverse engineered my self-taught guitar, but just sort of took what I knew from piano and just tried to apply it as much as i could to guitar yeah and then got good enough to accompany myself and this was also the 90s so things weren't that complicated anyway you know i would sit and just listen to the radio and then figure out every pearl jam and you know, well stone temple pilots was a little tougher but like 
you know, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, all of that. I would just, you know, sit with my Pearl Jam album and then play the whole, listen to the whole album while playing it. So, <laughs> so how how prevalent was uh, musical education at high school? Because I know you went on to uh, uh, get your bachelor degree in fine arts. So, um, did that really push your career direction? I guess. Yeah. Well, around my junior senior year of like eleventh, twelfth grade. Um, in high school, I was, I just like this girl who became, who was like my high school girlfriend was like, she was hell bent on being on Broadway and she was going to NYU and she was going to, and it was like, that was going to be her life. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm think I'm for people tell me I'm good at this. And, and, uh, so I auditioned for a program at the university of Southern California, um, the theater program, which they don't have a musical theater program. So I just did two monologues. One in a in a British accent, actually. Yeah. Um, Go on. Which, Come on. I want to hear yeah. it. <laughs> no, it's like, it. I can't. Even, I couldn't even tell you. It was like he was talking about something about eating. I couldn't even tell, dude. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, look, I have a decent British accent. My mother-in-law is from Hendon, North London. She's from North London. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I don't want you to ruin your reputation on this podcast. Right. <laughs> it's, it's all right. <laughs> um, no, I've got a yeah. That's it. Uh, no, I could do it. I just it's. I, I need the words. I need oh, okay. the words. Okay. A little, little easier. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe later. Uh, over a few beers next time you're in town. We'll, okay. we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it out. Okay. Um, you'll, so, yeah, you'll be like, you know what, you British sound like, and then you'll start doing like Mary Poppins or something. Hello. <laughs> Good. Night. I'm not, how is how are you in London? No, no. I mean. It's, <laughs> There and what what British accent too? Oh, holy shit, man! I had to go in for uh, the Sting musical. I was sort of in the mix for uh, Sting wrote a musical called The Last Ship. Oh, I know it. Yeah, and that's got a freaking Geordie accent. Yeah, well, I'm Geordie, so yeah, I know. But yours is not like no, mine isn't very strong. But Nevis his until I I no. I, 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 I listened to the album and I cringed when he cringed. Then, when I he, was just he, like, but he, learning that. Geordie yeah. accent. It was just like I kind of. It was like I. I don't know. I was like, is this Scottish? Like, is this like? I was like, where are you getting these words from? I yeah. have no idea. Oh yeah. Uh, he, even though he's from Newcastle, it, when he put on the accent, it was awful. Uh, like I'll yeah. be. Honest, yeah. <laughs> I worked in a yeah. music store, and um, it's very Newcastle based, and uh, we had to have that album on a lot. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was great music, Shit. and I really appreciated it when I actually saw a performance of the album uh -huh. on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Nail and all those sort of local um, uh -huh. luminaries were involved, and I, I very much yeah. enjoyed it. But that's crazy that you were part of that. No, no, I wasn't a part of it. I just auditioned and oh. I went in and I sang, I sang, sorry seems to be the hardest word. Oh. Um, uh, and then did one of his songs. I'm going to love you every day. I'm going to love you every way. I'm going to love you more than life. Da -da 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 yeah. I get that was all. I was basically, so I have a demo of, I actually might have a demo of, I, I guarantee you I can't share it, but I think I have a demo of sting singing that already yeah <laughs> um yeah um and then just went in and did that but uh, what's funny is like i like i have a i used to i should have done like a sea chanty or something like that i was like why am i in here doing elton john 
sometimes it's really absurd what being an actor is. Like, I just went, holy shit, man, you would actually really appreciate this, and it's out there, uh, and you should go on YouTube. There's a Jerry Springer opera. I just I just saw it recently for the first time on DVD. Yeah. 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 So I just went in for the the husband of the pole dancer or whatever. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I can't believe that that's still going. That's been going for a long time. No, no, it's 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 a it's a, a newer version. Um, uh, so you're familiar here. with you're familiar with Stuart Lee then because he was um a co-writer for that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 out there. Yeah, and Richard Thomas. Yeah, it's like I mean, not re- here. I get an audition, and you know, I I get it. They send me the material. I go look it up on YouTube. Yeah. I glean what I can from it. But like, the character doesn't have a ton to do, um, and so it was like I. They were like, "Well, bring some of your own stuff." So I sang Rogers and Hammerstein. I sang the beginning or soliloquy. There's a section in soliloquy halfway through, and he's like, "My little girl, pink and white, as peaches and cream is she." So I just sang it like I was talking like. <laughs> Like I was banging my my like stepdaughter was my king, <laughs> uh-huh. and I literally said, "Hey, Bucky, man, she's my stepdaughter." And then and then I kept singing this song, and then and then you know, and I finished this, and I was like, "What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> like, what is this fucking business?" But, pre- yeah, what's the have you? What's the weirdest um, say advert that you've auditioned for? Like, what's, oh, what's okay. the we- weirdest product? Oh shit. Uh, Have you ever been like the after guy in a, like a uh, weight loss commercial or something? No, like that? Oh, no, yeah. it was holy shit! It was a national rental, car, so it was a rental car commercial uh, that I booked actually, and they, but they, I probably did, like forty different lines of t- they would just like throw shit out, and at one point, so it was basically my character was like in bed. I can't even remember. Man, I wish I could remember this better. My character was in bed. And then I was talking to my wife, and then it was like a tagline. So it was like, I can't even remember like what was keeping me up at night. But at one point, they handed me a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. And so then we're having this conversation in bed, and then it comes back, and I just have the ventriloquist dummy pop out of the bed next to me and finish my line. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. God, I wish I could find that commercial. Oh, um, Yeah. Yeah. Rental car commercial. It was so out there, man. Uh, you know you're gonna have like some mega fan who has like all of your stuff. Yeah, I almost booked a Crohn's disease commercial. Do you know what Crohn's disease is? I've irritable. Heard, I've heard yeah, of it. irritable bowel syndrome. So basically, like, <laughs> it makes you have to poop. Okay. And the audition literally was okay. And they're they're talking you through this, and they're like, "You're gonna go and you're gonna go sit down on the airplane." Yeah. No. So you're gonna go put your bag away. Put your bag away. Then you're gonna sit down. And so there's just a chair. Now you're sitting in, in, in on the aisle seat. You sit down, and then all of a sudden your stomach just makes a little bit of a noise. Now you're going to look back at the bathroom in the back, look at the bathroom in the front, and realize it's going to be a long flight. <laughs> so I, I do it. I sit down. I put my bag away. I smile at the person next to me. There's not an actual person there. I just smile. <laughs> pretend person next to me. Uh-huh. Then, I look, then I sit down. I go, oh, and it's like a rumble. And then I look back at the bathroom in the back, and I look at the bathroom in the front. Then I go, oh my god, I might shit myself. <laughs> like that's what I was thinking. Like, and then that's that was the commercial. Now a female ended up booking it, but uh, okay. See, no, no, but that, that's kind of cool because it just shows you, you know, you're a handsome guy, and it just shows you handsome guys get the shits. So you know. yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. A, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, um, so, so now you, okay, dragging us back to music. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, 
it, it really because it, you know I you know I didn't know too much about you until uh, we spent the day together, and it was really cool to sort of get to know about you a little. Uh, so it yeah. does it does really really help that you have a Wikipedia page. I'm like sort of such a shit journalist, um, you know. <laughs> so it, well, your degree is not in journalism, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so. Um, so, are you a member of the SoCal Vocals, uh, USC's premier a cappella group? Thank you very much. Uh, so, yep. um, your a cappella background, did it start uh, at uh, the USC School of Dramatic Art? Like, did you start it there? And um, did yeah, you, well, did, well, you find I mean, it, did you find it, it a challenge? Because a cappella is hard. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so like Boys to Men and Beach Boys, really, I was like, were my introduction to <laughs> Harmony, like, okay. and, and Queen. And Queen. You know, yeah. I had. News of World on my wall. That that album cover is just so iconic. It was just on my wall, like yeah, forever. Um, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, basically, I yeah, I was like, I want to sing, and I didn't I, because I wasn't doing musical theater in school. I was like, I'm gonna want a musical outlet, and I they came and performed in my dorm room or in my dorm room, my dorm building, like in the building. And I was like, oh, that looks like fun. I'll audition, and so I auditioned and I got in. And it was much more like a, a social group. I mean, look, it was they they won uh, the national championship three times or maybe four. Oh wow! Um, and so the musicianship was there at the same time. Like I wasn't in a fraternity or a sorority. Like those became my friends. And yeah. so so as much as it was challenging, uh, you know, I'll I'll say the difference between what I did in college versus what I did uh, on Broadway was in college, it was us doing the arrangements as well. So yeah, there it was some, some people doing the arrangements did some complicated stuff, but for the most part, it was, you're a guitar now and you're going to go, John, John, jigga, jigga, John, jigga, John, John, jigga, jigga, John. And that was pretty much it. it was like, if you're a baritone, you're on that note, you know? So it wasn't always the most complicated. There were some harder songs, but yeah. Um, and we would drift off pitch and stuff. Um, did did but, you did you ever take it to sort of well not out on the road, but was there any like sort of early money making possibilities like doing it in restaurants and all that kind of thing or telling no us? no because we were all we were all still students so it's like we were just having fun enjoying like drinking yeah we would just. Everyone would get drunk and and sing and you know it, it was it was it was as social as it was no one really had visions outside of the group at that point because it, also I think acapella hadn't really been monetized no in any way it existed but pretty much was the the group acapella was known for where in the world is Garmin San Diego which was this game show oh um, yeah. Uh, PBS, it, yeah, and, and like a couple other things, but there weren't a lot of um, uh, groups. And plus, we had six, fourteen to sixteen members at any given time, and so to wrangle that many people, um, the friends that have stayed in it and stayed in the acapella have usually shrunk their groups down to five or to four or to six, you know. And so, like the group Pentatonics, um, like a couple of the people from. Uh, the SoCal Vocals have gone on to Ben Bram. He won a, a Grammy for uh, an arrangement he did. Or actually, I don't know exactly what he won a Grammy for a song working with. I think Pentatonics. Yeah, you should know this. I'm a bad person, but um, 
and so went on to arrange things. And the, and the god of all acapella was this guy Deke Sharon, um, who's who did our arrangements on the on in transit the Broadway show, and then he did all the Pitch Perfect movies and stuff. And he was one of those guys that like was around and just like was one of those champions for a very small niche group of people. And uh, so it, it's like being in a special little club where it's like I'll always be an acapella geek. And I'll always get that kind of stuff. Um, but until really pentatonics, I'd like people now are starting to figure out what the hell acapella was at the time. It was just a bunch of college students wanting to like mostly musical theater kids, like wanting to show off and sing with a bunch of other people. Like it was a very specific type of person. Yeah. Um, and it was much more social than, than anything that, that I would ever have considered monetizing. Do, do, do you think shows like um, American Idol, when they do like sort of um, acapella kind of stuff, do you think that's kind of introduced it to a bigger audience? Do you think that's the most, res- like, um, the thing that is most responsible for introducing acapella to like a mainstream audience? Well, I, do you guys have the TV? You have the TV show Glee over where you're at, right? Oh, oh yes, of course we do. We have Glee. Yeah, yeah. I, I would really say, like, being an actor first and foremost, it was weird because I did my first Broadway show, Crybaby, based on the John Waters movie. Yeah. I was playing the Johnny Depp part, and I moved to New York to do that from L.A. And when I moved back to L.A., um, it was like uh, they were like, oh, you're the musical theater guy. And all of a sudden, it, it was like a shift of them being like, uh, he does musicals. Like, no, nah, I don't think he's a TV guy. Um, and that was before Glee. And then all of a sudden, once Glee started happening, like the fact you could sing all of a sudden made you a little more marketable. And when I was young enough to be on Glee, that wasn't the case. It was more of a stigma. And it still is a little bit. But, but um, uh, it, it, yeah, it's it was this weird shift that happened also. And, and it sort of made it okay. And the kids... The kids like it, so you know. I think once once they were digging it, and pentatonics is big, and um, I think sound production in general has gotten so much better. Especially add auto tune into the whole thing, and it's like these kids coming up probably haven't, for the most part, heard too many dissonant notes, no. or not like, or maybe dissonant, but I, like certainly everyone's auto tuned tune in. Yeah, you I, know, I, I, live. So it's like these kids are they going to have better pitch? Because of this, I don't know. How, how do you feel about autotune generally? Like, because you obviously don't need it. Um, yeah. So I mean, um, do you feel that you know, it's kind of it's kind of it's become like a, a old argument at this point. Do you think it's sort of you know um, makes up for if someone's like say really good looking and has the personality but they can't sing too much? Uh, do yeah. you, you know, do you think that it should be there for that kind of thing, or do you think it should be to um, add to the talent sort of thing instead of well, making up it, for, it, yeah. it's that weird thing man like <coughs> where it's like I'm a big fan of TC Helicon like I have one of those uh, voice live touch things yeah and I just love messing around on it and what it can do and it when it sounds really auto-tuned it sounds really auto-tuned. Like T-Pain came out, I was like, well, that's his sound. You know what I mean? So there you go. It's like, um, it's weird too, because 
I, I think like songwriters, it's these songwriters and producers that are really the ones that are sort of making the magic. And I think I think pop music is in a and country music is in a very amazing place right now. Like I think the quality of work that's getting turned out of just efficiency and like. I, I, you know, it's weird. I feel like it's almost like the Brill building again, you know, of like, um, like just cranking out like some great tunes. It's like not, not that it's Motown or whatever, but it's like pop music is in this weird, I really, for some reason, really like pop music right now. Yeah. And I don't always, um, and I, I think it just helps that I, I don't I don't know. I mean some of my favorite songs I know are have auto tune on the vocals and would be like not as good. And would that bug me? At the same time then any any day give me Bob Dylan, man. Like Yeah. You know, or Tom Petty, god damn it. You know, and it's like each has its place and I think if you know if, if Bruce Springsteen was auto tuning, I'd be able to fuck. Like, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, I, I, you know, I, there's always it, been a, a slight amount of pre uh, packaging, pre packaging, yeah. or you know, uh, polishing to you know make something marketable to a lot yeah. of a lot of people because you know, you know, I guess that's how the commercial yeah. music works because you have to appeal to the largest amount of people possible, and you know, yeah. But, well, what, what what happened though as an actor? Interesting. Like all of a sudden, Robin Williams sort of opened that door of famous people doing Disney movies. Yeah, he was and, re- he was the, really the first to do a voiceover for a cartoon, wasn't he? Really, of those, yeah, 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 someone of that caliber of a movie star doing that, and yeah. um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the people that were the Broadway stars at the time, who people really didn't know were doing the Disney voices, and now, like, you gotta be a movie, star. you gotta be somebody. To do a Disney movie, yeah, oh, you it, know, it, 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 it almost seems the same with like sort of chart acts now that you already have to. I mean, I, I know that they have to sort of, I guess, market you in a way that appeals to people, but it's almost like you already have to have the yeah. fan base now. Um, yeah. Whether it's through YouTube or you know through American Idol, you know the person who wins, you know a lot of people vote for those people. Um, you know, I think building someone up really from scratch now seems. I don't know. I guess it. I don't know if it's harder because you know the tools are at everyone's yeah, disposal. It, but it takes money. It takes. Well, time, that's, that's the thing. It's it's more of a risk, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. It's it's like I've got at the James Snyder, by the way, yeah. at the James uh, Snyder on Instagram and Twitter. It'll all be on, uh, it'll all be on the page. <laughs> but you know, I've got let's say fourteen thousand Twitter followers. But like, really, I asked my manager, "Well, what can, what can I be doing?" And she's like. Well, you need to get more Twitter followers. Like, she's literally had people lose jobs because the other person had thirty thousand more Twitter followers. Already, yeah, that's yeah. great. So, so, and but it's a reality of what this is. Is like, in in a day of information, like you have to, you, uh, like it's just it's savvy. Even the 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 bach- I have a bachelor of fine arts in acting in theater with an emphasis on acting my program now that is a bfa in theater and acting is now a bfa in in um acting for television for film television theater and new media is the new title of the degree so uh, do do you feel that courses are suffering because too much gets sort of 
squashed into one cause sort of thing. Because that certainly happens here. That, there's, there's Four no... years. Look, you know, I, I, something that I wish I were better at would be, let's say, um, you know, creating my own content for YouTube okay. or something like that. You know, of I look at my friends that really dug in and, and the ones that might not have made it but then dug in and were just cranking out material. Um, some of them have, have been able to make a name for themselves. And for, for me, I've been fortunate to constantly be working. Like I, I graduated and I, I, I pretty quickly booked a film and, you know, some TV and then, um, and Broadway. And so I've, I've been lucky to not have to create my own work at the same time. Now all of a sudden I'm like, well, on my downtime, I'm like, I need to be creating my own stuff. That's part of the reason for the album was just for me to just feel like I'm creating still, you know, and we're luckily in a place that, that has, has, we're in a time where, where you can do that. And I think there's a lot of shit out there, but, um, I think if everyone's got their heart in the right place and are creating from an honest place, you know, that's a great feeling for that person too. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. No, it's, no, it's a, but what, what what you do though, and you know, it's the same with a lot of my favorite um, artists as well, is that you are using your skills and qualifications to make a, a living for yourself and enjoy what you're doing. But then it also allows you to be able to make the stuff that you want to make as well. And you know, that's you know entirely what I want to do. And I, you know, I I've um, I have a teaching degree, and I sort of at um, the college that I taught, I tried to drill it in people's heads that you should have high expectations but at the same time if our college could produce 30 top chart topping artists every year then we wouldn't have our funding you know cut sort of thing so you know it's about knowing that there are more career choices out there for um mm. young artists as well and it, it's it's surprising how many don't realize what can be available if you really apply yourself and uh, mm. take, take advantage of you know uh, social media platforms such as YouTube and stuff, you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I was just kind of going down a rabbit hole there, but you know, yeah, you get, yeah. you get what I mean. Hopefully I do. I do indeed. <laughs> um, so with, um, with the acting side, uh, did that come from, uh, specifically, obviously your love of uh, musical theater. So was acting ever, uh, um, like an ambition or was that something you kind of fell into and, you know, being from California and, you know, there'll be agents everywhere and all that kind of thing? Or? Well, I was from Northern California, so but I, I had family that were actors. My great aunt was nominated for an Emmy, like things like that. Like, so we had actors in the family. Yeah. Um, but and so the, there was a slight there was a value on that somehow in my in my family. Uh, but I think if you ask the people around me, they'd be like, oh, yeah, James Snyder was going to be an actor. Because I was that personality type of everyone being like, you should be an actor. Yeah. And then eventually I did do a couple plays and I was like, oh, I'm really good at it. Like, I think I'm good at this. People really like it. And and then I would say in college is, is when I uh, sort of found my place within the art form and the actual purpose and deeper reasons for – expressing myself that way and so i'll say i i i went into it because it was sort of an easy path that sort of made sense and then um i think what 
keeps me doing it every day is just knowing that um, it's uh, there's I have something to contribute not only to the art form but to the world in 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 that. And I don't mean to say that like oh my god I'm doing this for world peace. It's like I creating and music and art like making connecting to souls is something that that I love and and I think you know people other people enjoy so yeah i agree and there's no way that you won't be able to do that with uh, your new music as well because like i say it's really really beautiful and beautifully arranged as well and you know credit goes to you fernando and all of the musicians uh involved um but <coughs> yeah i wanted to ask you um because uh, we were 40 minutes goes by so quickly hopefully it hasn't yeah. dra- dragged for you so because <laughs> no, like I, so quickly <laughs> well I'm, I'm having to learn how to not make these an hour and a half because uh you know i've do have the tendency of doing that sometimes and then it becomes like a two-part you know special but by yeah. this by the second part we've run out of things to talk about and then the second part's kind of like just terrible and we're just talking <laughs> it's like you know what's your favorite color and stuff like that you know um yeah. <laughs> but yeah i wanted to ask you about uh and i'm gonna have to find this as well if it's uh available uh to watch anywhere uh in transit um which um was uh, a cappella musical which uh, ran off Broadway in 2010 and uh, again in 2016 and you were part of it last year um, yeah well, so it did the off Broadway in 2010 and then in 2016 they took it to the Broadway theater circle in the square theater uh, which is a Broadway house yeah and um, yeah uh, that I happened to work with a director before that and then basically the second that came across, my desk um basically or like as soon as i was like i have to do this like i was an acapella i am an acapella nerd yeah i I know the guy doing the arrangements like i met him once uh i gotta do this like and the role was right up right up my alley too um and so uh yeah so so i just yeah i i auditioned and booked a part and then Basically, the technical element of having no instruments and yet treating it like a regular musical, in musicals, you have to change clothes. You have to you know, do all this. So how do you keep the sound going throughout? So we ended up with in-ear monitors so that we could hear um, uh, our conductor. He, we would get our starting pitches. So we'd be like in the middle of a scene, and then my in-ears would be in, and it'd be dong, 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 and then two, three. And then we'd have a click track that would keep us going. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so the technical element, but 11-part harmony. I mean, it was there were 11 <laughs> people on stage, and there were moments where everyone is literally running like off stage, and then has to make a quick change to get back on stage, but also still singing. Yeah. And so, so it's literally things like dude, 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 dude while I'm changing my entire outfit, just repeating <laughs> that phrase because it's a transition. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so. so I'm guessing, because obviously your voice is exposed at this point, so you have to not be out of breath um, when you're changing. I, I, is it one of those things where you stand like a scarecrow and someone just takes your clothes up and puts clothes uh-huh. back on? Okay, because otherwise the, they'll rub into the microphone or something like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. exactly. Well, the microphones are sort of, uh, were, was in my hair down around my forehead, around my hairline on my forehead. But yeah. still, at the same time, it was, it was, what uh, the stagehands would, would always say, it was sort of like eerily quiet because, <laughs> because we couldn't talk to each other because, you don't, well, I mean, for the most part, your mics wouldn't be up, but it, it would be, 
Yeah, yeah. It was just like one of those things where it, it's like, I don't know if you probably have, I don't know if you've ever done anything live with in-ears, but you just, you put your ears in yeah. and you do your show and it's like, and we had our own mix. So it was like, I would put it in and then just, and it was an hour and a half long show, no intermission. So it was just like hop on the ride, sing, do, do like hit all the, and then finish. It was this weird sort of tunnel thing that would happen because sonically there was no room to mess around. No. Like there just wasn't. And, you know, and I, we would find moments to find each other backstage. Like if it were really important to, um, uh, to connect and make sure we were in tune. Like we would gather, you, we found places where we would ask, no, can I enter over here? Because I'm singing this part with this person. So, um, do you mind if I enter on this side so we can harmonize in this part so I can hear her, but then having the in ears also at the same time eliminated the need for that yeah. completely because we, I could just go, oh, I need more, you know, I need more Margo in my mix on the left ear. Uh, and that would just happen. And she would, so, I'm, you know, I'm, it, I'm fascinated by it. Cause I mean, we've, I've seen musicals where, um, say an actor forgets a line and it can be funny sort of thing. And they can kind of interact with the audience a little bit, but Obviously not during a song, but if this is a cappella all the way through, there's like you said, no room for fuck ups here. Um, well, there were there were books there were book scenes. Um, so, but for the most part, it was a very professional cast too, yeah. and all very good musicians. So, no one really had too many. RMD, one time my song. Uh, it, it come, my note comes out of nowhere. Can I just take a second here to clear the air? And so usually I would be in the middle of the scene and then everyone would get their notes. Well, I'm doing a scene and I'm ramping up yelling at this lady where it, this, it, it all takes place on the New York subway. Uh -huh. And I'm yelling at the lady behind the, the like glass uh -huh. who's working there. Who's not, I'm just like, just let me in. Come on. And she's like, you blah, blah, blah. And, and then, and then I go, wait, can I just take a second here? Well, I didn't get my starting notes. <laughs> no one got their starting notes and it goes can and then it's like a like a like i don't even know what jazz chord it is but it's like <laughs> you know so everyone's got these notes they need to hit we don't start it and so luckily there was probably like our 50th performance so everyone just literally got the right notes yeah it was i was i was like holy shit did that just happen like i, I i've never been so scared and yet i just did it and I kind of gave them a pitch on wait when when I said wait I sort of did it in the right key. Uh, and can I just so? But I have no fucking idea. So <laughs> yeah, that was one of those harrowing moments of like I can't believe literally that just happened. Incredible. And it was also like the day when we had everybody like there were a ton of people sick and I was sick and it was oh it was awful i was so mad i was so mad <laughs> so is this available to see anywhere um any version of it cuz i would love to see it uh, you know i don't know I, I mean you can you can get the original cast album uh, certainly on itunes here in the united states okay um, i'm going to look for that guarantee you can l uh, look it up on youtube too I, oh it's on spotify as well oh really uh, okay i 90% sure it's on spotify um yeah, and that's it's it's great. It's really good, and it's really well mixed. Um, Ed Boy mixed it. He's brilliant, um, and arranged by Deke Sharon, produced by Deke Sharon. So it's done in the style of the acapella that we know currently. Also, so um, and it's done as well as as it be. And there's there's very little auto tune on on that. Yeah. Um, although 
I do have a feeling uh, while we were it's weird recording cast album because of union and stuff they get you get one day okay to record the entire cast album which is insane when you think about it so you get basically two takes of every song and usually what happens is they'll bring in the orchestra uh, the day before and then they'll come in and and record what they can and then they'll they'll come in and then everyone sort of does like a live performance essentially it's almost like a live in studio kind of album so uh so we recorded the album with only about two takes of everything um if you can imagine uh everyone had their own mic in their own not booth but basically they had to partition the entire studio this is at um avatar studios in new york partition it into about 10 sections Oh really? Uh, or, I'd, I'd just yeah. assumed that you would like a uh, like a gospel choir sort of thing, like have everyone, you know, together sort of thing. We were we were wondering that too, and for mixing purposes later, okay. um, much better to deal with that in case. Um, just if you're dealing with volumes, you, you're just dealing because of the way the show was mixed. Also, in a live situation, everyone had their own mics. Um, it was just going to be easier in post um to to do all of that uh for everyone to have their own mic and then and then basically get two cracks cracks at a song and then literally there was one then if we had to go back and clean something up but i was like holy shit i just sang that wrong like like i was like just saying that wrong like because it's weird too because you're going from being on stage doing the physical actions of everything to then just standing in a studio and singing and so i literally missed a whole entire section of going dum digga 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 going because because i i just didn't think i sang there and then i was like oh shit no i sing there so i was like literally i'm so sorry everyone who just sang through it i was like we need to go back to measure blah 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 and get the 30 seconds of like singing that I didn't do in that section. <laughs> did you did you still act behind the microphone when you were doing that? Yeah, I, it's, I, it I must be hard, hard not to, I guess. Yeah, and you and you can t- I mean you can hear I don't know if, if if you you know when you're dealing with vocal production uh what you know if you have any techniques but certainly if you're feeling it and certainly for for pitch it 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 helped to zero in on things, to do it almost as if I was on stage. Yeah. Um, because just the muscles know what they're doing at that point. You know, you're already on a hundred performances or whatever. And so it's, you don't let autopilot take over, but you, you kind of want to, the, the, I think the idea sometimes of most original Broadway cast recordings is to capture that moment in time. Like I listened to the, if I did a Broadway musical with Dina Menzel opposite of Dina Menzel, who sang frozen, yeah. uh, saying, let it go from frozen. That's awesome. um, okay. And yeah, it was great. And she's amazing. And the entire cast. Wonderful. Uh, we, I'm talking like Donald Trump right now. Great. Come on. <laughs> great. Anyway. Um, so, so, but, uh, like I made a couple mistakes on that album that will be in forever. But at that time, when we opened, so we recorded the album the week after opening night. Yeah. I was like, that was basically where the show was at after opening. And so it sort of captures that moment in time, the good and the bad or the, you know. And so I wouldn't change it if I could, even though the show of the year run that I did after that um, grew a, a lot. and. And so when approaching an original cast album, you just have to know the time constraints involved 
And then the actors, some of these songs I'd only had for a couple of weeks anyway, you know, things like that. So, yeah. so, well, I, you know. I, I, truly fascinating. And there's, again, there's so much that I could talk to you about. So, yeah, before mm. we go, uh, you blew my mind in the studio when you said that you knew the guy who uh, produced uh, the Miz's uh, entrance theme music, because I'm a big wrestling fan, especially sort of the 80s and the 90s and stuff, but that really blew my mind. So, um that was that was really cool. So I'm, I'm guessing you were like a fan back in the day, or are you currently? That was no. I it was just uh, so the Miz. Can you are you hear me? Okay, is it cutting out right now? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So it's Ross Bolin again. He's like the one person I know in the music industry. Um, not true, but uh, <laughs> but he's the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, I don't know. I don't know. He wrote the Miz's like theme song, and so like and. The Miz was a friend and friends, and so I think that's kind of how he got the job. Like, all of a sudden, The Miz started to take off. He was like, I'll write your theme song. I think. I don't know. I, I have no idea other than I remember hanging out with The Miz and being like, This is in, and he's such a nice guy. <laughs> and every, yeah, just like, it was cool. I mean, I, I'm not a. I'm not a, a, a massive, massive wrestling fan. I, I, I watched a lot of WWF and. Um, uh, I was once in an elevator with Rowdy Roddy Piper, which is oh, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and literally, like, I got in the elevator, and this was just about before he died. But like, I was like, "Holy shit, is that?" I was like, "Is that? Is that Rowdy Roddy? That's Rowdy Roddy Piper." I was like, "Holy shit, that's Rowdy." And thinking in my mind, I was like, "Do I say something?" I've only like, what, "Should I say what? What do I?" Do? And then he looks at me and he goes. You know, I won a lot of bagpipe competitions when I was a kid. I was like, oh, my God, I knew it was you. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this is amazing. And I didn't even think to take a picture with him or anything like that. I was, I was so fucking blown away. Like, uh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got to meet him. Co- Actually, co- there was a – I think, like, I don't know if it was his assistant. Somebody else was in the elevator, and I was, like, trying to signal him to be like, is that who I think it is? That's who I think it is. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah, I saw him uh, uh, wrestle – uh, against the Ultimate Warrior when I was 10 years old at Arco Arena. Holy shit. One of my favorite events was actually from Arco Arena, Royal Rumble 93, which you know is a long-forgotten event, which like I don't think anyone cares about. But again, I am a big nerd. so. Um, and when I came out there, I wanted to go and actually just get a picture next to the Arco Arena, just as like a nerdy sort of... Um, you know, touristy kind of thing, but yeah. Um, that's that's literally where I saw Rowdy Rowdy Piper and the Ultimate Warrior when I was 10, so that was 91 when I saw it. That's so cool. That's, that's like a dream yeah. match, because they were like both big fan favorites as well, so I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there was there was one point where uh, uh, Ultimate Warrior dove after him and accidentally pantsed Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> Like accidentally got a hold of his thing, and the both of them broke. They both started laughing a little bit. Uh, it was, yeah. And then actually, what's cra- I just worked with a director who actually um, directed some of those those uh, telecasts. Oh, really? Wow. From the Arco Arena. Yeah, yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, the Arco. Yeah, it's no more. It's now the Sleep Train something or other. It's yeah, yeah. That Arco Arena. They haven't torn it down, but it's it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah. It usually becomes sponsored by a product, doesn't it? Sort of like the iPhone yeah. Arena or something like that. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I saw Clapton there too, though, um, when he did his tour with the like eighteen string orchestra, oh. eighteen piece orchestra. I mean, um, but we called it the Echo Arena because the sound wasn't great. <laughs> 
well, yeah, no, I need to. Um, well, hopefully, I'll be back at some point. And uh, I, yeah, I think I said to you when because uh, you you were very kind enough to give me a lift back to where I was staying, and I mm-hmm. realised that sort of everywhere is thirty minutes apart at least, and that's whether yeah. whether it's two miles or fifty miles, it's still thirty minutes apart. So you know. Um, I had to very much rely on uh, you know getting a lift uh, just yeah. about everywhere and uh, yeah so um, yeah I really appreciate what uh, what you did that night after a long recording session as well so you're a true gentleman yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah this is, and this isn't just now like a excuse for everyone now to ask you for lifts everywhere you know it doesn't mean that you're going to do it so. <laughs> yeah um, start my own company you could you could um so yeah it's called bef- goober not uber <laughs> uh. oh that was actually the name of one of the dogs that i was staying with as well goober yeah yeah that's funny yeah it was just a big dumb thing but it was really cute um yeah. so yeah before before we wrap up um and i'm hoping we can do this again at some point because again we've barely talked about anything and hopefully when the um when the tracks come out as well um be, be, yeah. be great to chat again but um your first album is it uh around is it still available to listen yeah, to la curse uh it's available on itunes uh, definitely itunes uk i think i've kept up my tune core subscription um and spotify as well although it's weird man uh it's quiet it's re it's really quiet on spotify and i keep meaning to to ask like whatever masters got sent over or something like I have to turn the volume up really high. I, I don't even know the issue and why that happened. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you listen to it and tell me if you if you happen to listen to it. Tell yeah, me yeah. if you. Well, no. Well, I would love to play a couple of songs on the show if that's okay. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. That'd be cool. So, uh, where can where can people find you on the worldwide internet? Uh, at the James Snyder uh, on Twitter, at the James Snyder on Instagram, and jamesnyder dot com, which. Uh, is not a great website, so don't go there. <laughs> go to Twitter or Instagram, and you can watch me take pictures of my children or myself uh-huh. or, or whatever I'm doing at the time. Who has, who has websites anymore, anyway? No. I don't know. I don't know, but mine's awful. So, <laughs> do, you, do you get work for the website, or is it just now? I did it on my own, and then that was just a bad idea, and then I haven't transferred it back to what it was. But basically, oh, oh it might still be the voice. I teach voice also. I'm a classically trained singer as well, uh, post-school. So, so I don't know if it's classically uh, trained singer, I, and I have an amazing voice teacher who's letting me teach a little bit also so um so you know if anyone's available and wants a little poke at some uh some singing lessons uh from a broadway guy i uh i also do that via skype and stuff too that's awesome. oh you do that via skype yeah i yeah. may i may take you up on this because i yeah, need to can, be man. a better singer uh I, I was ashamed i played a gig out in la uh, when i was there and i had to sing a couple of songs and i couldn't hear myself for a start and i'm, I'm i've gotten a good range but i have no technique so like my voice was completely shot after like yeah. half, half a bar sort of thing so yeah now i will actually i will be in touch about that but as well yeah. so you do teach like all ages as well then which is really cool. absolutely absolutely yeah i mean my my uh, the approach is just about like getting to know what's happening how it works and then uh, strengthening the entire apparatus from toes on up to the you know top of your head that's really cool um uh, yeah i mean dude in 15 minutes i could give you three exercises that would change your life so oh well okay that's awesome um i'm you know um i will pimp you forever more if you make me a half decent singer so yeah um (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, well, look, uh, thanks again for doing this because I know you're very, very busy. And But I'm really looking forward to hearing the finished um, uh, tracks once they are out in the world. And um, again, yeah, I hope we can do this again soon. Because yeah, And I did say that we'd only got 40 minutes and I think we've went an hour as well. So I think that, you know, we did okay. Yep, we, we did, did all right. We did uh, all right. All right. Okay, thanks, man. <laughs> we'll, we will talk soon. You bet, man. Thank you for having me on.
that was Sunshine Bloom with I, Me, You. And it is available via their Bandcamp page. Do check them out. I will post a link below. And it was also a part of the Big Stir Travelling International Roadshow uh, CD, which you can still buy uh, via the Armoires page. Uh, there is a Big Stir page. I, I know it seems like just a lot of random information that I'm giving you right now. Uh, links will be... Uh, be provided if you enjoyed that um, you know and uh, do check out the archives because I do interview Sunshine Bloom a tremendous power pop band um, and you know dudes who I feel lucky enough to have found and have become friends with uh, so yeah do look for the archives for my interview with Sunshine Bloom it's a lot of fun uh, thank you to James um, you know he gave me a lot of his time and he like I say he is a very very busy man and I feel very honoured to have uh, interviewed him Apologies for any interference in the interview and any tapping on the keyboard. That was partly my fault, and no, look, look, partly James's fault. But he's doing like a million things at once. I'm sure, um, you know. And I should probably, going forward with guests, let them know not to type because it does come up very loudly. So thanks for bearing with me with that. Lots of cool guests coming up. I can promise you that. Um, just based on the LA trip alone, um, you know, I'm trying to grow Pablo's Pop and Podcast and Turn Chuckle as well. We will be getting back to that soon. If you are a wrestling fan do check out Ten Chuckle and all of the previous wrestling guests that I've interviewed. It's something that I'm taking very, very seriously and want to throw myself into and be, you know, be more structured with the podcast because of everything that's going on at home with my mum. Uh, you know, uh, my life is being you know, kind of changed around a lot. And I will, like I say, we'll go more into that as time goes on. Um, a couple of um, a couple of links. There is a GoFundMe uh, for my mum, and I can't remember the name of it offhand, but I will... I, I won't post a link below. Just find Pablo Melons on Facebook. You know me. Or find Toxic Melons. Um, if you would like to help to the GoFundMe, it was going to be a vacation for my mum, and things kind of changed as her health has, you know, uh, deteriorated over time. If you don't know, she she does have terminal cancer and it's just you know life is a little shitty at the moment to say the least um so yeah uh, any you know the money was going to go towards that but because she became ill the money went towards other things and everyone's been really generous and um patient and nice about about that and you know the link is still there if people want to help and um i just posted an update uh, regarding that as well on the GoFundMe page but like I say find Pablo Melons or Toxic Melons on Facebook and uh, you will be kept up to date with all of that um if you enjoy the show, there is a big green button on the top of the Podbean page um, where you can become a patron. And I'm trying to think, <laughs> I'm trying to think of rewards, but it's kind of hard to do uh, because I I don't really have anything to offer um, apart from say advertising space or whatever. And I will help make an advert for you. Um, you know, I am good at that. I like to think. Um, if you like kind of crazy power pop. Um, you know, very heavily melodic stuff, then do check out Toxic Melons, my band at toxicmelons.bandcamp.com. Uh, any, you know, purchases are very much appreciated because I'm self-employed and if I don't make any money, I'll starve to death and become homeless. Uh, you know the score of all that. Uh, yeah, and coming up next week is my interview with Hux Rittman and there's uh, a lot of news. Um, you know, there's a bad name change with the band, um, which I think he has announced now because I've taken a while to put these episodes up. But, um, like I said, do check out the archives. Do keep up to date with shows upcoming. And check out Pablo's Poppin' Podcast on Facebook. If you join that page, you will be told about upcoming guests first. And you will have a chance to submit your questions as well. And like I say, I promise, there are some really cool names coming up. Names that you may not know, names that you do know, but all with great stories to tell. And, um, I'm, you know, 
for my podcast, you know, it's something that I'm trying to grow and I'm very grateful that they are willing to support it. So yes, before I leave all of you for the day, um, until next week, see, I'm, I'm trying to get better at this. I'm just rambling at this point, but, uh, I, I know I, at least I'm conscious of the fact that I'm rambling. So I try not to go on too long. Um, I'm going to leave you with the armoires. Uh, Christina and, uh, Michael Bulbenko were incredible hosts when I was out in LA. Um, you know, they, they bought me cereal. They gave me lifts just about everywhere. Uh, they have the two most amazing dogs in the world. Uh, so yeah, I want to introduce you to, and, and there is an interview with the armoires in the archives and the archives, of course. Um, this is the armoires with The Laws Have Changed. This is one of my favourite songs from the Big Stir album. And uh, again, check out the interview next week with Hux Whitman, and I will see you all very soon. Bye-bye.
Goodbye. Goodbye.